we on my own? Yeah, yeah awesome. Well, that's uh, what an introduction. Thank you. I think that's the best introduction I've ever had. I think uh, I need to introduce you to my wife, who uh, you can just encourage her to introduce me to that like that wherever I go. Uh, but it is uh, it's such a joy to be here and such a privilege and an honor uh, to be here with you guys today. This is, um, this is a great church uh, filled with great people. And, you know, like Matt said, through the, through the, uh, uh, the, the social media phenomenon, uh, I have been able to watch from afar uh, Ed and Jess and the team and everybody who's doing stuff here and just been so encouraged by what is happening uh, here in Exeter. I kind of, I grew up not so far away in Ottery St. Mary, the home of the tar barrels, if anybody knows the tar barrels, and, uh, and have uh, been in and out of Exeter for many, many years. And to know that there are so many uh, amazing churches here is a joy to me and a delight. And so I know Ed is watching somewhere. He set up a live stream somewhere. Uh, and, so, uh, and so thank you so much for having me. It, is an, it really is an honor. And, uh, and I've got a lot to live up to uh, after Matt's introduction. But I really feel like God has a really specific word uh, for us as a church family, you know, uh, you guys, uh, I love this Church of England. We, um, I'll introduce, you know, myself in a little moment. Uh, but I'm a Pentecostal, right? Yeah. And I've been, I've been, I've been given like 18 to 25 minutes this morning, which really is a Pentecostal. It's good enough, it's long enough for like a really good analogy, and that's about it. Uh, but I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna unpack the word. But, but I've, we, we as a church, C3 Hope in Sheffield, we are an alpha hub, and so we um, kind of coordinate. Alpha in our city. And so I've had a front row seat to some of the stuff that Church of England is doing. And it's remarkable the way they are replanting churches and the way uh, uh, churches are coming to life. And God is being made famous across our nation. And I'm so excited to be here and just to, just to play a really small part in your story. And so today, God, I really feel like God is going to break some stuff over you uh, in the next few moments as we talk about the cross being victory. I love this series that you guys have started, The Cross. Uh, we've done, well, I say we, I mean, I feel like I'm a part of it and I've kind of caught up on some of the stuff that you guys have been doing. The cross is love, the cross is obedience, the cross is invitation, but also the cross is victory. I'm looking forward to unpacking that in just a few moments. But just a little bit about me. Uh, my, like I said, my name's Joe. I am, myself and my wife took on our church. We were the assistant pastors. In fact, we, we did the whole, the whole lot. We did youth and then we did young adults and then we did assistant pastors. So we've kind of done the whole rounds. And now we took on the church midway through the pandemic in June 2020. And um, God has been very kind to us. It was uh, a fairly traumatic taking on the church. There was stuff that went on, but God in his goodness, it sounds so cliche, but God in his goodness has taken the people, his church, not our church, his church into an, a remarkable place. Uh, we are a multicultural, multi-generational, uh, a God-led, Christ-centered, spirit-filled, people-focused church with a real heart for the people of Sheffield. And our building, we have a building that we've just renamed to the Hope Center. And uh, we have a building that ha houses a community grocery where we feed a thousand. We, got, we just had our thousandth sign up to our community grocery. It's this remarkable place where people pay three pounds 
pounds for a shop and they get 30 to 40 pounds worth of food and they come in, there's dignity, they get to choose their own stuff, put it on the till and it's just a remarkable place where a lot of people pay it forward and will pay for other people's food and, and with that we have wraparound care, we've got cap uh, money, so debt counselling, we've got uh, a jigsaw cafe for over 55s, although everybody wants to be there because it's where the party's at, these guys are wild, uh, we, we've got uh, we've got polka dots um, play groups, uh, we've got job club, we have so much more on the pipeline and God has anointed us to bring hope in a situation that is hopeless. We're on the doorstep of one of the most deprived areas in the whole of the nation. And there's so much need, but we just see that God is the answer. And so we have the words, we're just getting the words hope, uh, 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 the hope center and the word hope lit up on the side of our building so that when it's dark, that hope would be the beacon that people see. And they would know that it's not a church, it's not a brand, it's not an organization, but it's Jesus that they would find their hope in and so we're so excited. You just saw the picture of my uh, wife and kids. Uh, my wife is she really is the anointed one. I don't know if you can bring that back up. Uh, she's amazing, the most beautiful woman on the planet. We've been married ten years in June, and uh, and so uh, like it's going strong, you know. And uh, thanks for your encouragement. And uh, and that's Reuben. He's my five-year-old. He's like the Tasmanian devil. He is wild. He comes out of kids' church, and I'm like, have you been to kids or have you been swimming? Because he is like sweaty, like dripping with sweat. And uh, he is amazing. Uh, there's Amaya. I'm holding Amaya. She is like, she's bonkers. She's like off with the fairies. She's absolutely hilarious. And I absolutely adore her. And then that's little Levi. Levi, who is maybe like three months younger than your Levi. And uh, strong name. He is, he was not planned. Uh, but <laughs> praise the Lord. But... In a, oh my gosh, in, he, came, he came just after we took on the church in the middle of the pandemic, but what joy he has brought into our lives. And, uh, and so that's a bit about me, but I want to I unpack right now just uh, some, of these, uh, some of these thoughts. I, I, I'm so excited. I've loved unpacking this whole idea about the cross being victory. You see, the cross is a remarkable thing. Uh, uh, trying to wrap your head around the enormity of what the cross is, which is not just some symbol on a necklace or a sign outside the door, but the cross, a remarkable uh, piece of good news that, through, that, 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 that has changed all of our lives for the better that has broken the barrier between heaven and earth so that we could have relationship with Jesus. The creator of heaven and earth, that we could walk alongside him with no barriers and no obstacles. The cross is victory. The cross is central to our lives. The cross is central to what we believe. As Christians, you might not be a Christian here today. You may have been brought by a friend because they said, oh, you know, we sing some cool songs like Christian karaoke, and then we have some hot drinks and croissants, and it's quite good fun. And so you may be here today, and you may not know who God is or what the cross has done, but the cross for us as Christians is what we're anchored by. It's what we're set free by. It's what we're healed by. I love that we get to gather today 2,000 years after Jesus died on the cross and we gather around the cross today. And even today, God is setting people free. God is healing us. Heard a great story this morning about healing. Uh, in the prep time, God is still doing things today that he did 2,000 years ago. The cross is victory. 
I want to unpack just a few verses of Scripture this morning and just uh, really anchor it in this. Colossians 2, if you've got your Bible uh, and you want to turn to Colossians 2, verse 13, uh, this is what it says. The words of Paul, you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of charges against us and he took it away by what? By nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. What remarkable news. I'm just going to turn really quickly to the book of Romans, uh, chapter 4, and just read one more scripture. I'm going to unpack a little bit out of Romans because Paul has such a great way of explaining the gospel through the book of Romans. And this is what it says in Romans 4, verse 25. He was delivered over to death for our sin. And check this out, was raised to life for our justification. The cross is victory. I don't know if you've ever had a time in your life where you've had a victory, but it's felt like a hollow victory. You know, like it hasn't felt like a full victory. Like, like you've got a really great mark on your presentation at uni. It was a group presentation and you realise you didn't really contribute much to it. I'm not looking at any students right now. I know I was one of them. Uh, or maybe you had a hollow victory. Your team won the league title in the football and you did so well, except you spent most of the time on the bench. Or if you've had a hollow victory, I don't know, maybe you passed your driving test after the ninth go and the driving, the driving instructor really passed you out of pity rather than your ability to drive. I don't know if you've ever had a hollow victory. But like I said, my son Ruben uh, is like, he's wild. He's amazing. We have so much fun with him. Uh, but every night at the moment, we go into the back garden. Now the weather's getting nice and we play football in the back garden. And my son is the most competitive young man you have ever met in your entire life. Everything's a competition. You have to, you have to like, the person who gets downstairs the fastest is the winner. The person who gets into the carpet, says seatbelt on the quickest, is the winner. He's so competitive, I've got no idea where he gets it from. I definitely wasn't the person who broke a kid's arm playing tag. It wasn't me. It, was, it must have been somebody else. He's so competitive. And so we play football every night in the garden and, you know, he's busy being, you know, whoever. Like, he tries to wind me up at the moment. I'm a Tottenham fan because I'm from London. Come on. And uh, but, so he tells me he's Arsenal. And so there's no way that I will ever let my son win, especially if he's Arsenal. And so we're playing football in the back garden. And, you know, I've got to teach him. I've got to raise him, don't I? I have to, I have to raise him in the way that he should go. And so, and so, you know, we keep it close generally uh, on an evening after school. Uh, yet there's somehow that I always, you know, I just, I clinch it. We're drawing right to the end. Next goal wins. And it's always daddy who wins. <laughs> you see, I, I don't want him to win a victory that is, you know, I don't want, I don't want to give up. I want him to really win and feel like he's won. And so, and so, you know, maybe when he's 19 or something, I'll let him win. Maybe at that point, who knows? But I don't want him to win this hollow victory. But what happens every single night is after the moment that I win and the moment I celebrate and, you know, the T-shirt comes over the head and I run around and he's despairing and destroying. He's only five, bless him. Pray for him. <laughs> In these moments... He then, as I walk back in, the same thing, I can telegraph it. Every single night, the same thing happens. I walk back into the house and suddenly from nowhere, some, suddenly extra time is added. Yet I'm not on the pitch. 
And so he'll get the ball and he'll kick into the goal and we're drawing daddy. And I'm like, no, surely not. And I fake this slow-mo run back to him. And then he grabs the ball out and scores again and runs inside. He is the winner. He's so competitive, but it's a hollow. I don't tell him this, obviously. But it's a hollow victory. You see, what I want to describe today to every single person in here is that through the cross, Jesus, who has won the victory, then gives that victory. He is, by the very nature of us coming into and grafted into the kingdom, we also gain that victory. But sometimes we as Christians can get our theology wrong. We can misunderstand what that means to us because we can feel like, well, Christ is victorious. I can see that. I read scripture. It's fairly obvious that he is victorious, but, but I don't feel victorious. It feels like a hollow victory. It, it feels like I kind of, just because I turn up, I get to win. Just because I almost get like a um, attendance, like just because I turn up, I get an attendance record or uh, you know, I, didn't feel, I want to say to you this morning, the same victory that God has is the same victory that you stand in right now. The same victory that God won 2,000 years ago is the same place that you get to stand in today. You see, the design of this letter we read in the book of Colossians chapter 2, the design of this letter is that Paul was writing to the church in Colossae because he was going up against these Jewish zealots, these people who were, who were, whose life was led by the law. They were led by the rules and regulations of the day. And these Jewish zealots were coming into the church and trying to convince the Christians that they had to go back to the things that happened before the cross. Before God had gained this victory, they had to go back to the law, back to the things that were expected of them. It was also a time in which some of the, uh, the Gentile Christians, people who had been saved from no religious background at all, had come in and they tried and brought their philosophy into the church. And so Paul was saying, no, what you have to understand is this, that you are, regardless of what anybody else says, I want to come back, I want to bring you into line with what God says, you are victorious. And we have to understand that today, that we are victorious. And, and our understanding gets so sidelined sometimes. We feel like we don't measure up or we feel like we don't get there. We feel like it's a hollow victory. And so if we, we hope, if we can do enough or pray enough or work hard enough or earn enough that we can get into the victorious books that God has written. But listen, today it's not true. I want to realign our thinking this morning because the cross means that not just Jesus is victorious, but it means that you are as well. That you are victorious. You have to understand that through the cross, the very things that we face are the very things that Jesus defeated when he took our sin and our shame. Because the symbol of the cross is now no longer a symbol of defeat, it's a symbol of victory. It's a strange thing to put up, isn't it? A cross, a symbol of torture. It's a very odd thing, you know, like if Jesus had been uh, 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 killed maybe 1,500 years later, a symbol uh, maybe of a lethal injection above a, above a church would be a very strange thing to put up, wouldn't it? It's this it's, it's dichotomy between something that was meant for bad is actually the thing that is meant for good in our lives today. The very thing that we associate with defeat, actually God says, no, you are victorious. I want to share just a few things that, that his victory gives us today. So four things that God has done in us and released us from 
by giving us victory, by going to the cross. Here's the first thing, if you're making notes and you want to go to heaven, here's the first thing. uh, (laughs) Think I'm joking. No, I'm not. I'm joking. Here's the first thing. His cross gives us freedom to live like heaven is here now. It gives us freedom. Romans 6, verse 6 to 7 says, For we know that our old, se- our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin may be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. You see, there's two things that hold us back from this freedom that we, that we talk about. One is, uh, we call it the flesh, and one is the world. You see, our flesh is something that holds us back because heaven is here now. We get an opportunity to live like God has come now, but our flesh often holds us back from it. The flesh, the flesh are, are, it represents our earthly origins, our flawed nature, our natural weaknesses. And, and this is often the cause of this sinful nature uh, that has been described. The basic characteristic of our flesh is this sense of self-centeredness. And that's often the filter that we live our lives through. Levi, his first word. In fact, his first word was more, which I don't know if that's good or bad. But generally, you know, our kid's first word after mama and dada is the word no. Because it's, because it's that lens of self-centeredness, that lens of I want to protect myself that we can often live through. You see, our flesh is really describing the inward struggle, but the world is describing the external struggle or the pressures that are put on from the world, from the external of ourselves. See, in this context, the world means a godless society, opposed to Christ, opposed to his church, continually attempting to compromise the holy values that God puts in our lives. It's characterized by selfish desires, superficial judgment, Judgments and endless materialism. And in 1 John 2, uh, uh, the, the Apostle John says that the love of the world and the love of the Father are incompatible. They're mutually exclusive. They can't coexist alongside each other. He writes his words, do not love the world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. But here's the good news. The Bible says that Jesus overcame the world. And therefore, we can be overcomers too. The the Bible says that Jesus, uh, when he says he overcame the world, really it meant that he rejected its distorted values and maintained a godly perspective on people and on stuff. That he overcame the world, and because he overcame the world, we can too. It also says he overcame the, the flesh. Galatians 5 describes this amazing thing that as we walk and overcome the flesh and we walk in the Spirit, with the Spirit of God, then suddenly fruit comes out of our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That, that as we walk, and not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, suddenly something shifts in our lives. You see, we're overcomers. We're not called to live in a holy huddle and just exist until we get to heaven. God says, no, 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 heaven is being dragged to earth through our lives, through our stories, through us sharing our testimony, through us praying for people, through us believing for the healing of others, that God can bring heaven to earth. See, heaven is here now. We can bring a slice of it into our schools, our homes, our offices, the, way we work, the places we work, the places we train, because God has brought us freedom. Freedom to live like heaven is here now. 
Here's the second thing. Uh, his victory on the cross gives us freedom from living life on the religious treadmill. Romans 6.14 says, For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. You see, what the Bible would describe as law uh, is actually uh, us trying to achieve victory through our good works. Us trying to do all the things that are described in the Old Testament, trying to live up to something that we could never attain. You see, often in life, we can, we, can hit, we can get on the religious treadmill. We step onto it and we hit go. We get saved and it's great and we're on this religious treadmill and we're just, we're just kind of running along and, you know, it, it, life's good. You know, I'm praying, I'm reading my Bible and we're on the religious treadmill. And, and then somebody's like, oh gosh, you've got to get in a connect group as well. And so I'm like, all right, okay, let's up the speed a bit. And so we up the speed a little bit because we need to be in a and connect. And then we need to get on a team, don't we? Of course, we need to serve. And we need to, this is all good things, by the way. This is not bad. And so we up the speed a little bit and so we go in and going, we need to get the latest Bethel album because obviously Bethel are more anointed than anybody else in the world. And so we up the speed and we do that and then we get some extra stuff and so we fill our lives and we're on this religious treadmill. And the reality is, the thing about a treadmill is this, is that you can run and run and run and run, but a treadmill never takes you anywhere. You never go, it's different to running on the road. It's, you're on a treadmill, you, you, you feel like you're achieving, but you don't know actually going anywhere. You see, God says, I fulfilled the law. I did it through the victory on the cross. And so you do not have to do it. Fulfilling the law is an endless task like chasing the sunset where you never get anywhere. Here's the beauty, Here's the beauty of life through Christ, though. It's, it's a task that you're free from. You see, the cross released us from the law's expectations so we would be released into a life walking in obedience to the Holy Spirit to walk in with God day by day. And it's evidenced and demonstrated by our walk with the Holy Spirit as well. So our life in line with the Spirit is an ongoing experience of Christ's victory. Day by day, true freedom to be able to step off the treadmill and to be able to exist with God out of choice, not out of duty. Because we want to. Because he first loved us. That's why we love and for it to flow from that. You see, the Bible talks about unforced rhythms of grace, and sometimes we can get so caught up in the stuff of life, on the stuff of Christianity that we forget. God has brought us freedom from the law. You see, these things aren't bad. Like I said, it's great to join a connect, great to be on a team. I'm all, I'm all for that. But when it takes our eyes off God and onto the stuff that he wants us to do, then we've got a problem. But you're free. You're victorious. And God wants to move in your life today. Here's the third thing. We've we got freedom to live like heaven is here now. We've got freedom to get off the religious treadmill. Number three, freedom from the impossible task. Romans 6 goes on to say, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ our Lord. See, the Bible tells us that the consequences of sin, not, 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 not achieving the law, not making it, is death. But I love Paul as he writes these words in 1 Corinthians 15. As he quotes the book of Hosea, he says, Death has been swallowed up in victory. Death, where is your victory? Where, O oh, death, is your sting? Because here's the thing about death. The sting of death is actually found in sin. 
The primary reason why death is painful and unpleasant is because of the sting of it. But Jesus dealt with death by dealing with sin. It was sin that caused death in the first place. But Christ has died for us. And it's meant that he has taken our sin away. His victory over sin means that we are released from the fear of sin and judgment and therefore the fear of death itself. Hebrews 2 teaches that Jesus has released us from the fear of death because by his death, he has destroyed, or what he's actually done, he's made ineffective the one who holds the power of death. This is good news, people. For you and I, this is great news because uh, here's the thing. Death still remains. It's not like it goes away. Like the devil, he still remains. The reality is he is still existent, but he's been neutralized. That's what victory has done. It has neutralized the devil. It still exists. Death still exists, but it's lost its power to harm and to terrify. Because there's beautiful words written by John the Apostle, recording Jesus' great promise where he says, I am the resurrection, John 11, verse 25, and the life. The one who believes in me, even though they die. Oh, I've just lost it. It's a good verse though. Is it up on screen? Yeah, whoever lives in me, uh, uh, even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. This is awesome. He is the resurrection. He is everything that we need. It doesn't mean we'll escape physical death. What it does mean is it will transition from an earthly life into the fullness of the heavenly life that God has planned for us. This is awesome. It was an impossible task for us to escape the consequence of sin. But through the cross, Jesus did it. This is good news, people. Thank you, Lord, that he did it. Here's a fourth thing, and here's really where I want to linger a little longer today. And here's where I feel like God is going to minister into this morning. Through his victory in our lives, we have freedom from the fear of failure. Do you know, as I was praying this morning, as I was thinking, I felt like God say, we have freedom from the fear of not being enough. Not making it, not, 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 uh, uh, that feeling, really the word is condemnation. The feeling of not reaching a target that God never placed in front of us. Here's what Romans 8 says. Therefore now, you'll know it, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Therefore, there's no condemnation. You know the word therefore is a conjunctive adverb. I googled that this week. It's a connective word between what has been said already and what he's about to say. So what has he said already? You need to go read it in the book of Romans. We haven't got time this morning. But he spends a whole chapter talking about our freedom in Christ talking about the old life going away and the new life coming in. Therefore, because of that, as a result, there is now no condemnation. God doesn't judge you. The guilt and shame that you may be feeling isn't from God. The times where you don't hit the mark, that's, that's not the Lord. 
And my assignment this morning, that what God has sent me from Sheffield to Devon to break some mindsets. God wants to break some mindsets this morning of condemnation or fear of failure. We had a beautiful moment a couple of weeks ago with a girl who has come into our community grocery. She's volunteering. She's on a program by the government called Kickstarter at the moment. And it's the government trying to get people into work, 18, uh, 18 to 24s, who can't find employment. And so she's been in our community grocery. Beautiful girl, Tamsin. She's full of life, full of energy. She's wonderful, doesn't know Jesus, has no experience of church or background of faith. And, and she's just been just watching the people in our building. She's just been coming down and being loved and cared for and encouraged. And it's been this beautiful six months where day by day, it feels like she's being transformed. Until two, two and a half weeks ago, where she goes to a prayer meeting and she comes out and she was like, what on earth has just happened? She's like, I've, I've, I felt something. I experienced something. I can't tell you what it was. And the next day she comes in and she woke up, comes into work and she, she says to me, I woke up this morning feeling like life actually has meaning. I, I, like, like the world, it seems different today. These are her words. She said, it, it feels like the world is brighter. She had this amazing experience with Jesus. But what's remarkable is that she said to me, but Joe, I've done so many bad things in my life. I've done, I've done so much that, well, could God ever forgive me? I've messed up. I've done things that I'm not proud of. How could God ever forgive me? And I just got to sit with her and just explain the goodness of God. There's no condemnation. He took our sin and our shame. The Bible says as far as the east is from the west, that's how far He removed our sin from us. I got to sit with her and just explain the goodness of God. This beautiful moment. And I feel like the, there's people outside the four walls of this church who wouldn't dare step foot in this place because I haven't done enough. Or how could God forgive me? Or the decisions I've made and that has affected and impacted them. But the reality is the cross is victorious. And so we are victorious. We can walk away from those feelings of not adding up and the sad thing is this I meet so many Christians far too many Christians who also walk around with that sense of defeat or that sense of not quite adding up or that sense of am I good enough and I want to minister into that sense of defeat today and say yes you are yes you are God sees you and he doesn't see your sin the Bible says, we're going to read it again, Romans 4.25, He was delivered over to death for our sin and was raised to life for our justification. For your justification, you are victorious. You are made right in the eyes of God by saying that simple prayer. 
by believing in Him, by saying, yes, God, I want you in my life. You are justified. You, you are victorious. It's not a hollow victory. This is the fullness of Christ living in you today. But we have to tell ourselves and we have to keep reminding ourselves. I think for me, sometimes I have to look in the mirror and think, do you know what? I don't feel it today, but God is victorious and so I am too. I might have woken up on the wrong side of the bed. I may have said some harsh words to someone. I may have not done and fulfilled the things that I said I'd do, but God still sits on the throne. So that makes me victorious too. Sometimes we just need to tell ourselves, remind ourselves, remind ourselves, I'm a winner. I'm victorious. I'm going to put it on. That didn't work out. I'm a winner. You have to remind yourself. Matt, you're a winner. Come on. What's your name, sir? Mark. Come on, you're victorious. So good. You're a good guy. I like you. I don't know you. But you seem really open to the Holy Spirit. Keep that openness. Keep it. There's something about a soft heart. And as men, we can feel like we have to have it all together. But there's a softness in you. I love that. An openness to the Holy Spirit. Your greater days are ahead. They're not behind. They haven't happened already. Your greater days are ahead. Amazing. Come on, my guy over here. Victorious. What's your name? Dan. Come on. You're awesome. We're victorious. Why don't we stand across this place just for a moment? Matt, do you want to come and join me? victorious. Why don't we lift our hands across this place just as a sign of openness to heaven. We're victorious. God, I pray would we know that today. God, I thank you for your victory on the cross. God, I thank you you took our shame, our sin. You broke the power of death. You freed us, God. God, I pray we'd live in your freedom today. Galatians says, don't don't have the yoke of slavery anymore. Don't go back to the way you did live before. But walk in the freedom that God gives you. There's freedom in this place this morning. God, set us free. Break every chain that's holding us back. There's power in your name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Yeah, we're going to wait. Yeah, let's wait on God. Might be some, a certain word that God's speaking to you. Or you might have a word for somebody else. If you've never done this before, we're just going to spend a moment waiting on the Holy Spirit. We believe the Spirit of God is alive and at work. He speaks powerfully to each of us. 
And uh, if you've never done this, if you're not a Christian, if you've never done this before, just say, God, if you're real, come show yourself to me. Uh, he's not offended by that prayer. It's the most honest, real thing you can say. God, if you're real, come show yourself. If you know what you're doing, if you've done this before, just say, God, come speak. Come minister. Just allow him access. Come, Holy Spirit. just receive his peace one of the last things that Jesus did is he he breathed on his disciples and said receive my peace my peace I give you when we interact with God regardless if we're left feeling joyful or, or hopeful we're always left with a sense of peace so if you're feeling peace right now trust that's God working trust that that's the Lord moving I feel like there may be somebody in here who um, just get this sense that you may feel like God is not taking you into a new season because you feel like you carry too much with you. That there, that there's a sense of um, like guilt that you are carrying with you, a sense of guilt for what you've done, and you feel like God is almost punishing you because because of what you've done or what you've said or where you've been that God can't do this. I, I want to I wanna say today, the reason God is withholding it is because it's not good enough. For the, it's not ready. It's not ripe. You, know, you don't eat fruit till it's good. And uh, I, I feel like God is saying, it's not ready, it's not ripe for you. But you are the right person and you are in the right place and you are here at the right time. If that's you, Father, I just pray right now that God, that sense of guilt would be broken. That God, they are right, righteous, justified. 
God, you are working something in us. And God, I pray that we would see not through the lens of the past. When the, when the devil reminds you of your past, you have to remind him of your future. And the devil will talk about your past. Show him your medal. Remind him that you are victorious in Christ. And God is getting it ready. Just like Abraham was taking Isaac up the mountain, he would never have known that there was a ram coming up the other side, ready to be in the thicket at the right place at the right time. He didn't see it, but God was working in the background. And God is working in the background for you right now.